What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. If you're new here, my name is Brandon. In today's video, we are talking about China. This will be my official update video for you guys on my positions, what I'm doing with my Alibaba shares and Tencent, and just overall what is my opinion and update on what's going on with these Chinese stocks. Is it a place to invest? Is it something to consider? Should we be buying more? Should we be selling? Let's talk about all that today. FYI, this is actually the second time that I filmed this video. Oddly enough, about a week ago, I came in here, had the video completely done up, edited, and I was just watching it back before posting. And I just, uh, something about it, I didn't feel right posting. That was, that was one. And secondarily, actually, this was probably the bigger reason why I didn't want to post this video was because so many of, not so many of you guys, of the viewers, but a percentage of you guys, a small percentage of the people who watch my videos were being super rude and super demanding about a video. Do an update video, your pick's down 10% blah 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 it was just it didn't feel like i would made the video out of a good place and it met it, at the time i was very very um you know emotional from those comments just like come on man cut me some slack and i felt the video was more or less just like complaining and nagging and that's not what i want to do here i want to come out here and lay out as much facts as i can for you guys as much of my opinion and beliefs so that you guys can take that in and formulate it into your own and i think now that a week has gone by probably a little bit better. Uh, I could probably do a better job at that. And not to mention, I've had a little more time to let the news and whatnot digest. So let's dive on into the video today, guys. Uh, first things first, I don't think we need to be get too up to speed with what's going on with China, but there have been some major crackdowns. And this isn't just as of recently, but going back about nine, 10 months ago, we saw some big, big, you know, IPOs canceled or blocked off. We've seen mergers that have been vetoed essentially, and especially as of the last week or two, the Chinese government has come down with some more notable regulatory crackdowns. You're probably quite familiar with the DD app and their security checks that they're doing. Tencent, one of the stocks we'll be talking about today, they had to actually you know, give up some rights to their company, uh, to the music section of their company. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment, but what I wanna start this video off with is kind of the overall theme and takeaway that I feel when it comes to Chinese stocks. And it's not a popular one, but I do not believe that the Chinese government and the people in power over there are trying to sabotage their companies. They are not trying to purposely run these big corporations into the ground and make investors lose a bunch of money. And they're not trying to screw people over, which is really what I think uh, the articles here and the sentiment that we have here in North America, looking over there, that's that's typically how we tend to feel. That the big, mean, angry, you know, Chinese rulers over there, uh, they're here to just screw everybody over. And I actually don't personally don't feel that's the case at all. In fact, I question, you know, what is their motive? What do they want out of these new rules and regulations and all these step-ins that they're doing? What is the motive there? Again, in my personal opinion, it's actually not to sabotage these companies. We'll see why in a second. But it is to re retain and keep control and power within China. That's my personal opinion on it. All of these moves are so that China as a governance retains as much power as they can. And let me explain what I mean by that. You take a look at some of these very successful business people that were bred in China. We know some very popular names, the Jack Ma's and whatnot, successful, rich, uh, influential business people that have all been up through the Chinese upbringing. They've come up through the Chinese system. Same goes for corporations like the Tencents and the Alibabas of the world, which are these worldwide dominant companies at this point, but they were all bred within China. I think one of the objectives behind some of these new regulatory uh, step-ins 
is that they, for one, don't want these business people and corporations to get so powerful that they end up having control and say over what goes on within China. Imagine a company, even here in North America, gets so popular that rather than going through, you know, when it comes to like political stuff or when it comes to uh, negotiations, why would we listen to the government when we can just, when these companies have so much pull, so much force and so much say? I think that's one thing that they, first of all, are trying to avoid. Secondly, they don't want money that has been generated within the country. And again, all up brought all brought up through the Chinese system to then go elsewhere, right? We see so many talks about, uh, you know, these, they don't want overseas listings and they don't want these corporations essentially taking their business and taking all these opportunities to North America or to Europe. It's like, these are our companies. I'm just putting myself in their shoes. And this is again, what I believe they want things to remain in China is kind of what I, I'm trying to get at. And that's our takeaway actually for today's video. I know that sounds kind of simple and whatnot, but let's go over a few of the examples of things that have occurred over the couple of previous weeks. And I'd like to show you why I believe that's the case. A couple of examples that I think we can start with is the education platforms. A couple of very notable education companies and stocks got absolutely crushed over the past week. I believe about 80% of their market value plopped overnight because there were threats of the government saying that these companies may have to go nonprofit. And very, very tragic for anybody who does own these shares. It's tough to say what's going to happen going forward with that section of the market. I don't follow the uh, Chinese education market. But when you take a moment to look deeper into why they posed this uh, regulatory change in the first place, these companies cornered a very, very a concentrated area of the market. And they really commanded total power over that space. And actually what many people would argue with these few companies is that they had so much command and so much power that they could have very well been in a situation where there was price manipulation and price gouging, kind of similar to what we see here, where they couldn't, uh, they had the power. Again, this all comes down to control and power. There wasn't gonna be much fairness when it came to pricing. You know, I think to a company like Valiant, which we've talked about on the channel before, who just went through something very similar to this here in the US before going down a big, big um, spiral. But obviously here in, you know, the North American developed markets, price gouging, cornering a market, being a monopoly in a specific area, that is not allowed. And it's not fair for other companies. And it's not fair more or less, not for other companies, but it's not fair for the people. It's not fair for the economy. And with this education proposal, it's actually said that this will give more fair access. It'll give more even access to those who maybe couldn't have afforded proper education and didn't have the money or the class or the prestige to afford some of these things, these changes actually, in my opinion, are potentially good for the greater uh, country and the greater people within the economy. Another example we can look at here was Tencent and a big portion of their business, the online music rights or the exclusive rights that they owned, the Chinese regulators came in and banned Tencent from basically commanding this entire area of the market. And I believe the number I'll try and find it quickly here, but I believe they commanded about 80% of the online copyright music market. Very, very monopolistic, very, very concentrated. And is that not a fair thing for a government to do to come in and step in and say, hey, one person shouldn't control everything. That's not fair for a corporation. That's not fair for the people. That's not fair for other companies. Uh, I think more or less it's oh, it actually says right here, Tencent held more than 80% of exclusive music libraries resources after its acquisition. 
So yes, this does suck for Tencent. As a shareholder of Tencent, I'm like, man, that's, that's a bummer because this is a great portion of their business, which is gonna be uh, hampered. But in general, this move that came in and this uh, new regulatory step in, this is actually a very fair thing in my opinion. In this article, it goes on to say that they were fined uh, a fine, they were ordered to pay a fine of $77,000 USD. And it's funny to me when you look at the articles, all from you know US-based publishers, uh, North American publishers saying Tencent to pay fine, you know, huge fine, $77,000, is that, are you kidding me? $77,000 for a company like this. What are we even talking about here? Like that's that's less than a flick on the wrist, but of course in the articles, they're gonna instill panic, they're gonna instill fear. Huge fine coming out, $77,000, come on. But in general, yes, this sucks for Tencent, but this is actually a fair proposal from the Chinese government. Thirdly, we can talk about another one which was specific to, not specific to Tencent, but has a good example with Tencent. This one here talks about some of the um, rectifications on internet companies how the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology is planning something over the next half year to, uh, which signals further regulatory tightening. The focus of this rectification for the internet industry will be on four areas. The first one is disrupting market order, such as malicious blocking of link of websites, interfering with other corporates, product and services. For instance, the links of Taobao cannot be shared to Wixin, Wixin. And for those that, are familiar with these companies. If you invest in these companies, I'd hope that you understand what we're talking about here. But Wixin, or Wixin, uh, sorry for the pronunciation, this is obviously something that falls under the Tencent brand. This is a messaging or a, a, an instant messaging platform of sorts. And as with the previous rule, so how it has been in the past, if you were to send a Alibaba link on Wixin on this platform, so Taobao being one of the portions of Alibaba's greater company, it would block it, it would not allow it, it would bar that out. And we've heard that in the past in so many cases where China was able to block out certain areas. Well, this rectification or this one area of these new policies and whatnot they're putting in is to get rid of that. It's to say, hey, you can't do that. That's not fair. You should be able to, let me give you an example beforehand for those that aren't, you know, if this isn't clicking, that's the equivalent of us going on WhatsApp. So a Facebook run platform and sharing a link to YouTube, right? Saying, hey, go, go check out this YouTube video because that's obviously a Google, uh, an alphabet or Google product or platform. It'd be like them saying, nope, it just, the link doesn't work. They bar it out. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. 
this these new practices and these new regulations it is tightening absolutely but it's actually making things a more level playing field and i think that's one of the takeaways that i'm personally getting by looking into it a step further and actually seeing you know not just reading the headlines but actually seeing what are these new things that are coming into place yes they have short-term impacts and effects on the companies in particular a company like tencent or like alibaba which have benefited from so many of these I don't want to call them flaws, but they're just, that's kind of the way the system was. There's been so many areas and opportunities for them to benefit from this, but these are coming in and saying, hey, let's even the playing field. Let's make things more fair across the board, which inherently I don't think is a bad thing. In fact, you could go as far as arguing, and actually I would go as far as arguing, whether you agree with me or not, that by leveling the playing field with these new regulations, this actually provides a better long-term opportunity for investing in the Chinese market and for China as a marketplace and for China as a, as a, as a, as a place of investment and for their businesses to actually thrive longer term. They're becoming more of a normal looking marketplace when in the past they really haven't. And again, yes, this will have short-term hits on companies like Tencent. If they lose their music rights, well, that does have a hit. If they can't no longer block links to Alibaba's products, yeah, that's going to have a long, uh, longer term, hit, a shorter term hit. But companies here, they they play by all these same rules. Uh, Facebook, Google, Apple, you can still succeed and you can still be very, very successful, uh, even with sharing links to different platforms. For example, you know that's just one example that I find is funny because. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just funny to me, you know, uh, as you can tell, you know, this is kind of a weird video. And again, I filmed this one already before, but I'm just doing it again because I'm just trying to get all my thoughts out there for you guys. But I think what I'm getting at is that I don't think that these evolutions that we are seeing as of recently are as bad as everybody is painting it out to be. And I have a clip that I want to share with you guys just from a couple of people that I follow and I'll share with you kind of some of the research that goes in to why I say the things that I do and why I take the stance that I do. But I really do believe that it's actually a, a bit of an old, dated, and I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit oblivious, oblivious maybe. It's an oblivious perspective to just automatically assume that all Chinese companies are bad and that China is just a, a terrible, terrible co country in every respect, in every regard. Don't get me wrong. Of course they, they are in many, many ways. But China that we see today is very, very different than I think even a decade ago. Definitely two decades back when you look at things like labor laws, when you look at things like, um, you know, accounting practices. Again, I'm not saying they're, they're a saint country and that everything they do is perfect, but it's also not as bad as it used to be. And I think a lot of people are stuck in that past and they're just too, I guess oblivious is not the word. I don't think obnoxious is the word either. Um, but it's just that they, they're not really coming to terms with that this is a seriously developing nation. And I think that these moves that they're making, again, are very, very typical of what we'd see in a developed world here, even in North America. We see this all the time within our markets. We have companies all the time, big companies, and their mergers are either declined or they don't get passed through due to competition reasons or due to uh, antitrust reasons or due to monopolistic reasons. Like that's stuff that we see here on a given daily basis and it's kind of accepted as just normal and uh you know a daily practice but you know some change comes in in china and it just get, gets painted very 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 poorly again rightfully so maybe but i do think it's important to take a moment and kind of look deeper into this um 
into what's actually happening. And I don't really want to go on a tangent here because I could be very, very, you know, very, very off base uh, with this regard. But one other thing that, you know, questions me and I ask myself this question is, you know, you look at who are these articles posted by, who's backing and funding and running these big um, publications and news outlets that we have here in, in North America maybe they don't want to paint a good picture of China for whatever reason. Does that ever cross someone's mind? I don't want to get into the whole fake news side of things. You can get very polarized for each side. Why would these uh, publication companies want to paint a beautiful, bright, uh, optimistic picture of China? If anything, they're going to paint the opposite. And again, maybe rightfully so, but these are just some of the things that I think about. I'll play for you a quick clip here of, actually before before I play for you the a clip from Monish Prabhai, I will link an article that I read, and this was actually given to us by one of our students. So uh, in the academy, someone sent this to me. So thank you for whoever sent this in the Discord. I'll have to double check who that was, but I will link it down below. And it's an article with Dalio's perspective. Not that I really look up to Ray Dalio, but it is just one piece of information that um, went into my research and one that you may find interesting. You can have a read of that below. But overall, I think the takeaway was that, hey, um, these fears may be a little bit overblown. I'll play for you another clip by Monish Prabhai, who also, as of now, as of what we know, is an investor in Alibaba, uh, as well as Charlie Munger, two investors that I really much look up to until we get any new data, um, any new filings, they are both invested in Alibaba. But I'll play for you a clip here of what um, what Monish's opinion is on China. And this goes back, I think, about a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now. Alberto, if I may, I would like to read uh, uh, one question from the audience. This is Jose. Jose, um, remarks that Mr. Parai recently bought Alibaba, which uh, makes him, uh, Jose, uh, think that that's because it's at a good price. The question is, Mr. Parai, are you are you not afraid of China? Yeah, I mean, like, so China's good example of what we just spoke about is that uh, I think it would be too wide a brush to take a complex country like China and, you know, put it into three sentences, if you will. So, I, I mean, I think that there are great businesses and great management teams all over the world. And uh, there are many of them in China. And, uh, you know, I think like Charlie Munger would say that the Chinese are natural entrepreneurs. They're actually natural capitalists who were trapped in a socialist system. And uh, so when those shackles were lifted, you know, you actually unleashed something quite dramatic. And, uh, you know, I would say capitalism and entrepreneurship is still very embryonic in China, but it is uh, it is coming about really quickly. So I think I would be, I mean, given my circle of competence, I think most of China would be off limits for me, just because I just probably couldn't understand it well enough. Small sliver of it, I think I can understand. And especially if you look at some businesses, like let's say if you look at a business like Tencent, or if you look at a business like Alibaba, these two companies specifically, very early in their journey, had Western investors or non-Chinese investors. And both these companies right from the beginning, I think of them more as being happened to be based in China. 
And because it's such a large market, happened to have most of their operations in China. But uh, they're really, uh, in many ways, uh, multinational in their views and how they look at things. They've had a lot of, I would say, non-Chinese infusion into their DNA and thinking very early. And uh, many of those elements are a big positive for them. So, yeah, I mean, I would think that I think China is a, is a, would be a difficult country for most investors because, you know, you need to understand the nuances. A little bit of it, I think, can be understood. After watching that back, that just reminds me as well, just to be clear with you guys, if it hasn't been clear already, in particular, when I talk about China, I'm talking about the two companies that I follow, which are Tencent and Alibaba. I also own a third stock, which is Anta Sports. I've, we can talk about that in another video, but I'm not talking about every single company out there. In fact, even a company like Didi, which is very exciting, newer company to my radar, I don't have the knowledge or know the know-how or the, the knowledge base to speak on that, which is why I don't talk about a stock like that. I'm talking in particular about these two companies, which as Monish mentioned, are truly at this point, multinational companies. They're based and they reside in China, absolutely. But the ties that they have with people all over the world, with successful investors, very influential people, very, very powerful and important companies, to me, I don't see that just crumbling and failing. And I don't see China, again, leading back to that point I talked about at the very top, I don't see them wanting these companies to fail and wanting these ties to be burned and these bridges to be burned. They just want control. They want to make sure that they're on top of things at the end of the day right? It all comes back to what I said at the very beginning and that they're not here to sabotage these companies. They're just placing these, you know, not restrictions, but they're placing these regulations in place so that they can function more normally. And um, I think that's a bit of the takeaway for this video. I do also want to talk about one other thing that to me just uh, is a very, very clear future. I could be wrong, but if you caught the Berkshire Hathaway meeting that was done a few months back, the most recent one, Buffett put up a really interesting chart of 20 companies and the companies were all ranked by or all categorized by country. So which countries had the most influential, the largest companies in the world? I forget the exact time frame, but during that time period that he looked at, it was uh, Japan, I believe it was. Japan was dominating. They had the largest companies in the world. And over a couple of decades, that totally shifted from a geographical level and uh, US obviously started thriving, obviously started doing very, very well. And US then as of today, as of this year, or whenever he looked at it, very, very populated up on that list. And to me, I asked the question, given what I said in my previous video, if you haven't checked that out, go check that out, talking about the, the population size, talking about the growing economy, talking about the power of China as a nation. It's hard for me to not believe that these companies like Tencent and like Alibaba and maybe even Aditi, again, I don't know too much to speak on that, but going forward a couple of decades, it's hard for me to not believe that China will not be on that list for companies, the biggest companies of the world. And I wanna show you guys one more chart that I find very fascinating. It's actually a bit of a you know motion chart or it's gonna be playing in the background as I'm speaking, but this is basically the world trade, who's dominating world trade. And even over the past three decades, it's gone from US, 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 
to, as you can see here, I'm gonna talk a little bit slower so that it will work well with what I'm saying, but China. China is taking over in terms of everything. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just uh, people aren't waking up to that or they're not acknowledging that. They really are in business and life and everything. It's funny to me when people say, well, I don't want to touch Chinese companies. Like, I don't want to, you know, be part of that. I, I, I respect your opinion if that's you and you don't want to buy Chinese stocks. Absolutely, I respect that. But it's funny to me when somebody will obnoxiously say that, yet everything they do has some ties to China. The phone that they use, probably built, probably has all their parts over from China, probably developed in China. The clothes that they wear, made in a in a little warehouse over in you know, China, Bangladesh, Indonesia. Everything involves China as a nation. It's so large and powerful, yet people just will turn a blood, they'll, they'll just no, turn their nose to it, right? No, I don't wanna touch that. And hey, that is completely fine. But for me personally, it's an opportunity from an investment standpoint that I just, I think it's one that suits my risk profile very, very well. And to kind of share with you guys now, what am I doing with my shares? Um, I do own both Baba and Tencent in my personal portfolio. We do also own them in the um, uh, in the public portfolio. So yeah, timing sucks. You know, when you buy stocks, you'd be silly to think that they only go up. Okay, if you're investing in the equity markets, especially markets like Chinese stocks they don't always go up. And this is a good little taste of that. If you can't handle a 10, 15% drop, what are you doing, right? That's equity investing. But these shares are down. And as much as I would love to just, you know, blindly buy the dip, in most cases, I'd say that. In most cases, I'd say if one of the stocks, well, there's a philosophy that Buffett has, and it's one that I like to follow too, but it's, if I love a stock at this price, I should love, love, love a stock 5%, 10%, 15% cheaper. And in general, I think that is a phenomenal mindset to have. But with these Asian stocks in particular, you do have to be a little bit more careful. You do have to make sure that, you know, these things that are being released and these news things, uh, news releases that are coming out and these new progressions, they have to be accounted for. You have to do your due diligence. It's not one of these situations where you can just blindly go in and buy, 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 buy. You do have to be very, very careful. But personally, I do intend to add to my shares Again, factoring all the information and making sure I make a rational decision. There's no need to, to feel that everything needs to be done today. Uh, it's been a week or two now with the volatility with these companies. These prices, these opportunities are probably gonna be uh, available for a while. I do absolutely probably intend to add more shares. In fact, in our private membership group, um, sneak peek, we did add some more shares to our to both of these stocks. Again, you can keep up to that with our private membership group if you want to follow that, but you all will get that updated as of our next uh, stock market update or our next portfolio update, which should be in about a week, potentially too. I've already done a bunch of videos on Tencent and Alibaba in particular, which is why I'm not going to be diving too deep into the financials today. But for example, when I look at these numbers, it, it's hard for me to not get attracted by this. And again, there are the risks to factor in, but a price to earnings ratio of 19, we haven't seen these in over, a, in well, in this case, it's five years, but you know, a decade, these are some of the lowest prices that we've ever seen. Uh, return on equity, this, these, are, these are very, very profitable and very, very efficient companies hovering at 30 as far as this chart goes back. Taking a look at this financial view, this company is seeing no significant debt stress or issues. They have significant interest coverage. Revenue growth on a three-year number at least, 26.57% and earnings 30% on a very, very large-scale company. You know, again, I don't want to downplay the risks and downplay 
the volatility that comes with these stocks because if you're in these companies you are realizing that now and you can make the decision whether this is for you or not there's no harm done in saying well i can't handle these ride this this roller coaster ride but these numbers to me just they say something else and again everything that i talked about in this video i hope i'm explaining to you guys why i actually feel more bullish on china than a lot of people out there and why i actually take a counter argument to the news and the the media side of things which paints a very very negative and uh negative and scary sentiment which they usually do but especially when it comes to china again i've, I've ridden this ride already with tencent a 50 percent drop back in 2018 if you recall during the trump presidency we all remember the trade war and how scary they made that seem when all the tariffs came into play and they said all oh, these companies are going to be paying x amount in tariffs and business is going to slow down every time there's a major event like that it's very very scary to be in and it's very very emotionally provoking and i think what defines a good investor it's a very hard skill to develop and it really tests you because it tests every single person out there, me included, but it's making decisions, not based on our emotions, but based on the facts, based on the numbers, based on rationale and logic. Could I be completely wrong? It's very possible. It's very, very possible, but at least I'm making a decision that I think I'm, it's a calculated decision. I factored in the risks and uh, in my opinion, again, for my situation, it's a risk that I'm willing to take. So yeah, I do plan on adding more to these stocks. I think long-term, we're gonna look back and say, man, um, what a good buying opportunity. But I will always, as always, want you guys to do your own research and due diligence. You have to do that. For those people that are just demanding me to do new videos because you blindly copy YouTubers' picks, what are you doing? You can't be doing that, right? We make these videos to help give you ideas. In my last video about Tencent, I was literally sharing with you guys what I was buying. I said my new personal largest position. And in that video, I may even throw a clip here. I specifically said, this is not probably a recommendation for a lot of you. This is not a stock that would be great for most people. This is a stock for me, a 26 year old that I'm willing to take the risk on. So again, if that hasn't been clear already, now it's clear, all right? And just don't be annoying in the comment section saying, oh, you know, stock's down. What do I do, what do I do? Do your own research, do your own due diligence, but hopefully this video was able to share my opinions because there are a lot of you guys, my loyal following, those who asked very nicely in DMs and whatnot, who were just saying, hey man, we really want your opinion on that. This video is for you guys. So I'll sign off here. I know this one was probably a bit longer and a bit more rambly than usual. Well, they can often be pretty rambly, but hey, I hope I got everything out and hopefully I actually post this video this time. I didn't even post the last video. And uh, by the next video, we should have the office and set kind of back in in session we're doing a little bit of renovations here uh, we're actually documenting it which is going to be really fun we're redecorating the entire place uh, i can't wait to show you guys that but uh, as always if you enjoyed the video give it a thumbs up whether you agree with me whether you disagree with me leave your comments down below but do leave a thumbs up because uh, if you appreciate me making this video and posting it to share with you guys that would i would really appreciate that if you're not already subscribed to the channel take a moment to subscribe and hit the bell. And as always, we do have our investing academy <coughs> below. And as always, we do have our investing academy as that first link down in the description below. So we have these conversations uh, on a daily basis in our investing academy. As the shares are dropping, as everything's happening, we have a little community over there where we're talking about what we're doing. Obviously, as a member, you do get to see all of the trades that I buy, when I buy, how much I buy, what I'm doing. 
it's not that you just blindly copy me, but it can give you, you know, it can let you see what someone else is doing. And that can be part of your research. Then you go on and decide, hey, is this right for me? Is this not right for me? But at least you have that as part of your overall research and due diligence process. That's that first link down below, guys. I'd love to hear all your thoughts, positive, negative, leave them down below. Just don't be mean. Uh, some, some of the comments over the past little while, just mean comments, you know? It's like just straight mean comments and just makes me not want to come out here and film these videos, but I'll be okay. Uh, thank you guys all for watching. Hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.